Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where we are changing the way the world sees God. We are connecting people with the new covenant, with what Jesus did and the promises that he provided for us in this incredible inheritance. And today we're going to be talking about one of the most important factors in connecting to God around our inheritance. And it has to do with prayer. But don't turn me off here. Now, don't, I'm not going to get legalistic. Don't get upset. But we're going to be talking about what I call how to set your life in order. And basically, this is going to show you how to move away from old covenant prayer, prayers of begging, pleading, and complaining, and moving to your place as a rightful heir in the kingdom of God of you establishing God's will in your life from your heart, from your prayer closet. Listen, don't go away. I'll be back in just a minute, and you're going to love what you hear today. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want you to know that I've got a great free message that you can download this month. It's called Prayers That Always Get Answered. When you pray your prayers, you want to know that they're going to be answered. This is going to help you tremendously. You know, the book of Job, 21st chapter, 15th verse, which let me always remind you, when you're reading the book of Job, the first 38 chapters are Job and his friends whining and complaining, and you can't use any of that to create doctrine. You can only start creating doctrine whenever God starts speaking. And when God starts speaking and pointing out to Job, you don't know what you're talking about, then you got a place to start doctrine. But Job and his friends were talking about this, and they said, who is the Almighty that we should serve Him, and what profit do we have if we pray? I want to tell you something. I have talked to hundreds of thousands of people about their prayer life over the years. When the prayer organizer came out back in the early 80s, I'm telling you, I was inundated with pastors and believers from all over America that would contact me and just say, I don't have a real prayer life, and I want to know how to have a prayer life. But you know, what Job said here is possibly the number one reason that people really don't pray, and that is, by and large, what good is it doing me? I'm not seeing any results. Well, i got news for you. If you're not seeing results, it's probably because you are actually not praying the way Jesus taught us to pray. And I'm not saying you're wrong. And again, don't blow me off here, because I'm going to be talking to you about how to set your life in order in a way that Jesus said to, not in a way that anybody else said to, but the way that Jesus said to. You see, there are so many things in our life that Jesus told us, if you'll do it this way, it'll work, and we do it another way, and it doesn't work, and we think that God, in fact, is letting us down when He's not letting us down. You know, one of the things that happens with prayer, and I've run into this all over the country now, basically, I just can't believe the number of people that don't have a prayer life at all, and they've made up their mind they're not going to have a prayer life. And the truth is they've created some theology or some doctrine to say they don't need to pray. 
Well, you know, I call that circumstance theology. My very first book that I came out with, Taking the Limits Off God, back in about 85, I think it was, 85 or 86. You know, in that book, I talked about circumstance theology. Circumstance theology is this. When I think I'm applying some scriptural principle and it isn't working, then I have to create a theology to justify why it's not working. I have to create a theology to justify my circumstance. You see, we create theology to support what we want, and we create theology to minimize that that we don't want to do. So it really, what I'm encountering across the country, all across North America, is a massive number of people that quit praying and uh, they weren't getting results. And instead of going back and really discovering what the Bible teaches about prayer, they instead just created a theology to try to convince themselves that they didn't need to have a prayer life. So, you know what? We don't want to go there. You know, Jesus was our model in all things. And you saw him think, he's the son of God. He's without sin. Now, I know he's a man. He comes limited as a man in every way that we are. If Jesus, who knew God, if in fact... He had a need for a prayer life, then, you know, it only stands the reason that I have a need for prayer life. But even beyond that, if Jesus is my Lord, and the way you know Jesus is your Lord is whether or not you believe and apply His teachings. And if you don't believe and apply His teachings, then uh, He's not your Lord. You're not His disciple. You might know Him. He might be your Savior, but He's not your Lord. And He can't really help you put the pieces of your life together. But Jesus is our model in all things. He prayed regularly. So obviously, there's something there that He got out of it that we didn't. Now, don't worry. You know, in, in this whole series, and some of you have been watching this all month, and you can go back and pick up the previous week's that I've been teaching this, you know, I'm not going to take you into some how often you should pray, how long you should pray, and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, that's just determined by a heart that's open to the Holy Spirit. You know, people ask me sometimes, so how long do you pray every day? And my answer is this, till I'm finished. And I know when I'm finished. I know when everything is settled. I know when I'm on track. I know when I'm connected with God. I know when I've dealt with everything that the Holy Spirit wants me to deal with at that moment. Now, one of the biggest problems that we have is... We just don't know how to pray and not really even sure of what prayer really is. Here are just a few words used in the Bible that describe different types of prayer. Now, I'm not saying that we understand this when the Bible says it. So not only do we not know what some of the types of prayer are, we don't even know what they mean sometimes when we read the words. We don't know what they look like in real life. We don't know how it fits into real life application. I'm just going to throw out just a few. Some of these are going to be things in the Bible. Some are going to be ideas we lift from the Bible. But there's just, you know, I'm talking with God. Okay, that's a kind of a form of prayer. You know, I'm talking and I'm listening. Or I'm kind of constantly, internally in a dialogue with God. Or I'm in intercession, I'm praying for somebody else. Or I'm in supplication, and I'm like, mm, I'm not even sure what that really means. Or I'm in petitions. Most people pray in the area of petitions. They just come to God and just say, here is my grocery list. I want you to fix all this stuff for me. I want you to solve the problems that I'm facing right now. Well, the truth is, God is not going to work with you that way because he has given you the authority to solve your problems. He has given you the right to bind and loose. He has given you the right to set things in order. So 
We want to get connected to the way God said to pray in the new covenant. So now I want to point out just a few of the really important reasons to pray. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told the disciples, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. I want to tell you something. And as I prepare people for what's coming on America and what's coming on the world, you know, I want you to know what Jesus said we have to do to be ready, to be equipped, to be prepared, to be overcomers when that time comes. And the number one thing that we have to do to be overcomers is watch and pray. We have to have a prayer life where we are connected with God. We're hearing God. We're observing, you know, what's happening. We're observing what's going on and we know how to pray about it. We know how to do something about it. And I'll tell you, people who don't watch and pray are always taken by surprise. You'll learn that you can get up some days and God will speak to you and He'll prepare you for something that you're going to be facing. And hearing and knowing that and responding to it is the number one thing that gets you through some of these things that destroy other people. You know, here's another interesting thing. Mark 11, 24 says that when you pray, you got to believe that you've received. Now, i got to tell you something. Most of the people when they pray that I talk to and that I've counseled with, they have no idea if their prayers are going to get answered or not. Well, then they're really not praying. You're not praying if you don't know what God's answer is. You might be begging. You might be, you know, petitioning maybe. And that's, I guess it is a type of prayer. But prayer is the place, it's not the place where you go with uncertainty. It's the place where you go with absolute certainty. Of course, the Bible tells you to, you know, pray without ceasing, to give thanks for everything. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, like in the book of James. It says, you know, if anybody's suffering, let him pray. Don't complain. Pray. Verse uh, 5, 16 in James says, look, you, you people need to be praying for one another so that you can be healed. Now, we all know these are supposed to be things we resolve in prayer, healing, sickness, you know, whatever crises we're facing. But this still really doesn't tell us how to pray. And that's why Jesus' disciples came to him. And in Luke 11, 1, you know, he went off to pray by himself. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, here's the amazing thing. This is the most amazing thing. He gave them some warning about some things that when you pray, absolutely do not do these things. And then he taught us how to pray. Well, you know, the crazy thing is almost everything that he told us not to do is exactly how so many believers pray. It's like Jesus said, don't do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, and then down here, he said, do it this way. I ain't going to do it that way. We make up our minds and we have what we have in our lives because we refuse to believe who we are in Jesus. We refuse to accept our authority. We refuse to make our own choices. And we're begging God to make choices that we should be making. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to help you get past all that. In a minute, I'm going to come back. I'm going to tell you some of the things that Jesus said. Don't do this when you pray. Don't go away. You know this series, New Covenant Prayer, how to set your life in order. You say, what's that got to do with setting your life in order? How does prayer and that go together? I'll tell you how. Because prayer, when you do it based on the New Covenant, is exactly where you decide where your life's going to go, is exactly where you engage and align yourself with what God has already accomplished through the Lord Jesus, and you establish His kingdom on earth. You want to get this today. This will revolutionize every aspect of your life. All right, I promise you this. We're going to talk about the things that Jesus said. Absolutely, don't do these things when you pray. Remember, prayer 
is about your heart connecting with God. Prayer is about getting into this eternal mode with God where you are in his presence. And I'll tell you, in prayer, there's no room for hype. It's the no-spin zone, as Bill O'Reilly would say. Prayer's got to be that place where everything is real. So Jesus said, now listen, when you pray, first of all, he said, there's these people who just love to pray on the corners because really all they really want is to be seen. And, you know, this could apply not just to prayer. This could apply to anything. I've heard people take this and say, well, see, I don't believe in public prayer because Jesus said that we shouldn't pray and be seen. Let me tell you something. The Bible is full of public prayer. Public prayer is an incredibly important thing. But the emphasis on here is don't do this because you're wanting attention from somewhere else. But he says, say something. He says, just get alone. You know, God that sees you in private, he'll answer this or manifest this or express this for you in public. And, you know, that brings us down to one of the most important aspects of personal prayer, not corporate prayer. You know, corporate prayer we do with other people. But personal prayer, man, we got to get away. We have got to get along. We can't do it the way the pagans do it. And also one of the things he said, now listen, don't use vain repetitions. You know, it's amazing. After Jesus said that, people then go right down here to what's called the Lord's Prayer and pray it as a vain repetition. I'm seeing ministers all over America that are going back to the coat and the collar and the liturgy and, you know, reading prayers. And you're like, that's all right every now and then, I guess. But, you know, what happens to you praying? What going on in your life and dealing with what's going on in your life. And he says, don't do that. You know, absolutely don't do that. Then he addresses the charismatics, Pentecostals, and full gospel people, and from my background, and says, and listen, don't think because you say a whole lot of stuff that God's going to hear you because of how much you say. See, it's not about how long you pray or how loud you pray or how much you pray. Those things affect you. They don't really affect God. But he gave us these warnings about prayer. And then he taught what most people generally call the Lord's Prayer. And really, for a lot of years, I called it the Disciples' Prayer because he was teaching them how to pray. But, you know, as much as anything, I call it setting your life in order. The way Jesus taught man to pray. And I'll tell you, if you'll hang in here with me through the next several weeks as I'm teaching you more about prayer, you're going to learn about operating faith. You're going to learn about bringing miracles into your life. You're going to learn more about how to intercede for people. I'm telling you, and I put together an incredible series for you on this because I'm telling you, this is the heart of your life with God. But setting your life in order, this is not about trying to get God to protect you every day because he won't do it if you don't remind him. That's how some people think. Like, if I don't remind God to do this, he's going to forget, and then the devil's going to kill me, going to beat me up, and something terrible's going to happen to me. No, we're not talking about that. And we're not talking about paying your protection money to the gangsters. You know, I had a buddy of mine one time, he said he felt like he had to get up every day and do all these things in order to pay his protection money to God so that God wouldn't let anything happen to him. I'm going to tell you something. I had a dear, dear friend that came from a, a background like that where it's like, if you don't do this, God won't do this. And he had a child in the hospital. And man, he was up praying and interceding and warring and all that kind of stuff. But in his heart, he believed, if I ever stop, my child's going to die. Well, he finally fell asleep after hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of praying. When he woke up, the baby was dead. You know, he blamed himself and he blamed God. That's crazy. This is not what we are talking about. This is about you deliberately 
establishing God's will in your life. This is about the kingdom coming to reign in your life and in the world that you influence because you choose for that to happen. So new covenant prayer is when you stop asking God to do what he's already done. New covenant prayer is when you stop asking God to do what he told you to do. New covenant prayer is when you say, this is who I am in Jesus. This is what Jesus modeled for me. This is what he told me to do. This is what the Bible teaches me to do. I am going to bind. I'm going to loose. And I ain't talking about fighting with the devil. I'm talking about binding and loosening the promises and the curses. I am going to use my authority. This is what prayer is going to be. But I'm going to do this with the sense of the presence of God. I'm going to do this with the sense of Christ in me. I'm not just going to be out here, you know, like a sheep blown in the wind. So we're trying to move prayer into the realm that God intended for the new covenant believer. Well, listen, let's just look up the word pray. And I did. I went through, of course, Strong's. I went through Thayer's. I went through a couple of other different really good resource books. Here are some of the things that the word pray actually means. It means to turn to, okay? So we know it's a turning to God, which means it's turning away from something else. It means to bring something near. It means to turn your mind to something. It means to attend to something or guard something or give heed to something. It means to approach or attach yourself to something or apply yourself to something or hold and cleave to something. It can mean to turn your mind around and be attentive to yourself. That's one of the things that happens in New Covenant prayer. Man, you're worshiping God. You're connecting with God. And as you're reminding yourself of the names of God like Jesus talked about, you know, when you're, when you're there acknowledging, Father, I thank you that you're Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God that heals me. I think that in Jesus, by his bruising, I am healed. I think that he is mine. Well, you know, somewhere in that, in acknowledging who God is and acknowledging what Jesus has done for you, you might come up on this realization because, see, you're giving heed to yourself. You're giving heed to your life. You come up with this realization. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm sick. I'm worshiping God as my healer. I'm saying that by Jesus tries some hill. Well, this goes back to what we taught you just a few weeks ago. In the Hebrew, which is where we need to go back to get the most basic understanding of biblical words, the word pray means to judge and then reconcile. And that word judge is more like judge to find yourself approved. It's more like examine yourself. It's more like taking an inventory, so to speak. And the idea here is that we should assess our lives continually, daily, to see if we are in the faith. I'm not saying that you still believe in Jesus. I'm saying, are you participating in the inheritance that you have as a child of God? Are you participating in the promises of God? Are there places in my life? You know, like I said, I might be worshiping God as the Lord God, my provider, uh, Jehovah Jireh, and start realizing, wait a minute, I've got lack in my life. And why is that lack there? See, I assess my life based on what's given to me in Jesus. And a lot of that doesn't happen because you're scrutinizing yourself. Much of that happens because you're just honoring and acknowledging who God is, who Christ is, who you are. And then suddenly you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If this is who I am, why am I letting this go on? So then you reconcile it. Then in that place of prayer, you put a stop to those things that you're done with. You declare it. 
I say, I don't want you. I don't need you. You're not from God. I don't accept you. I'm not going to allow you in my life. I give you nothing. You're no benefit to me whatsoever in my life. I send you away. And then you put on. But Father, because I'm in Jesus, I thank you that I'm above and I'm not beneath. I thank you I'm the head, I'm not the tail. Or whatever scriptures apply to your situation. And you start putting on the promises of God because you have put off the curses or whatever is afflicting your life. You know, in truth, that's what binding and loosing is. And see, binding and loosing fits into Jesus' model prayer because binding and loosing is where you say, if this was determined to be unlawful, illegal, unacceptable in heaven, then I, because I trust what happened in heaven, I declare it to be unlawful, illegal, and unacceptable in my life. Or on the other hand, if God said this is legal, lawful, and acceptable in heaven at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then I've got to say, you know what? I choose that for my life. I say it's lawful for me to be well. It's lawful for me to be healed. It's lawful for me to be full of strength and energy or whatever your situation is. See, we've turned, I just can't get over it. All the different ways that we've just taken things in the Bible out of context and made up crazy doctrine. Binding and loosing never had anything to do with the devil per se. Yet for many people, that's all of it. So here's the deal. I want to get you through this series I want you to know how to pray. I want you to know how to say, these are the promises, these are the curses. I'm not going to accept these. I'm going to have all of these working in my life, at least internally, even if I don't get them working externally. I'm having this. This is the reality that God wants me to live in. And I want to help you come to the place where you walk in your prayer closet and you don't walk out later going, well, I don't know if anything happened. You know something You want to be able to pray and connect with God and walk away, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes later, whenever you walk away, knowing that something has changed, knowing in your heart that those things that you talk to God about and those things that you used your authority to establish, knowing that they are already yours so that even if you don't see the manifestation yet, and Jesus said, when you believe that you already have received in the future, We'll see it. So you receive it in your heart. It gets real in your heart first. And when it gets real in your heart, you got peace even until your circumstances change. You don't waver because of your circumstances. Listen, I want you to have a prayer life that not only equips you for what you're facing every single day, I want you to have a prayer life in a way that will equip you for what's coming in the days, weeks, months, and years that are ahead of us. So dig in on this. Don't turn this into something religious. We don't want it to be religious. We don't want it to be goofy, but dig in on this with us. Listen, I'm going to be back in just a couple of minutes with a mentoring moment to just share just a couple of practical things with you. Don't go away. Make your plans now to be with me on July the 15th, 16th, and 17th for World Changer Weekend. And then again in October, you can check on my website for a heart physics weekend. Listen, we're changing lives, changing the world, changing ourselves, growing in God. You know, almost 40 years ago, God gave me a plan for reaching the world in a way that nearly no one has ever done since the time of Jesus. He said, instead of building a big conglomerate ministry, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for me, he said, instead of doing this where you have a localized 
power base. He said, invest in people who are influencers. And so we started Impact International School of Ministry, and we have invested in influencers all over the world so that today millions and millions of people are hearing this message. People, we won't see this side of heaven. But you know something? We've taken that a step farther with what we call Operation One Billion, where all over the world we are starting Bible schools to train leaders. And in these third world countries, when they go to Bible school and when they get launched out, they go out and evangelize. They go out and start churches. It's not like America where people just go to Bible school and quit. Listen, I want to invite you to become not just a world changer with our ministry, but join me in Operation One Billion. You know, you've heard me talk about this before, but I got to repeat it right here. See, many people would take everything I've taught you today and make this an intellectual endeavor and try with their intellectual mind to assess their life. Well, let me tell you something. If you assess your life with your intellectual mind and if you determine what you need to do based on your intellectual mind, then the probability is this. The same mindset that got you into this trouble is going to make it worse. The same mindset that created the problem cannot solve the problem. And so this is where sanctification comes in. Now, don't flip out. I'm not talking sanctification. You know, religion is so sanctification, get pure, or, you know, clean ourselves up, get rid of everything that's wrong. No. Sanctification means to set yourself apart. And sanctification is a word that is used so many times throughout the Bible in connection to prayer, praise, and worship. Now, we know that sanctification, just like Jesus says, when you set yourself aside externally, so that you're not having distractions. Because remember, the more you engage your conscious mind, the more you close yourself off to the voice of God in your heart. It kills your inability to hear it. And if you're led by your conscious mind, then you will walk away from the path that Jesus is trying to lead you, and you'll get onto your own path doing things the way that you think they ought to do. When you have set yourself apart, you have no distractions. And then when you internally, this is why I always have people, you know, listen to some worship music, maybe go through a little relaxation exercise, you know, leave the place of stress. When you get inside and now you are acknowledging who God is, you're not so much looking for problems in your life. I mean, you know, you may realize there's things that I know I need to look at and deal with, but more than anything, you are seeing yourself in his light. The Bible says this of God. It says, in your light, we have light. And when we sanctify our hearts unto the Lord, we have the light and we get the solutions for our problems. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.